G'day everyone, and welcome back to 78 Amped. I'm Max Higgins. For this week's show, Sam and I sat down with Pat from Luca Brasi to chat about their brand new record, The World Don't Owe You Anything. As you'll hear from the interview, it's been a busy few weeks for us over the last little while, so unfortunately we haven't been able to record our usual intros and chat the usual shit that you're probably used to. But don't worry, we'll be back to regular programming pretty soon. In the meantime, we're pretty keen to hear what you've been listening to, so jump onto our socials at 78 Amped on Instagram and TikTok and, and tell us about your favourite tracks. And while you're here, can you please uh, rate and review the show on uh, your favourite podcast platform? It really helps us reach new listeners and, uh, and climb up those podcast charts a little further. Anyway, please enjoy our chat with Luca Brasi. Take it away, Sam. Ahead of the release of their upcoming album, The World Don't Owe You Anything, uh, please welcome to the show Pat from Tasmanian Hall of Famers, I'm going to say, uh, Luca Brasi. Pat, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks so much for having me, fellas. Pumped to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm always a little bit excited when Max says we've got Luca Brasi on. I think this would be the second time we might have had you on. We might have had Tyler on. Oh, lovely. Awesome. Piece. Was that for a different record? But it, it was, I a, it was it a fair was. while ago. Oh, yeah. Years ago, I would say, actually. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was before Gravy, I want to say. Oh, wow. That's a really long time ago. Because that was <laughs> 26. How, did, how long have you been doing this podcast for? Well... <laughs> This podcast has had a few different iterations and lives and names and things. So this specific podcast, probably about three years, but in various other forms, a, a fair while. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, Tyler's not going to remember me. That's fine. I thought we were best friends, but we'll move on. <laughs> He's got a pretty good memory. Um, Actually, no, he doesn't. He's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pat, we start the potty the same way every week, and that's to open up Whatever platform you listen to music on daily and get an idea of what's been spinning in your playlist as of late. Oh, so I've been digging the the new Fiddlehead record. Have you heard that? That's really great. Um, the new Movements record as well has been getting a lot of plays. Um, I've been uh, oh, turning into a country music fan, which is a bit of a concern. So <laughs> loving that new Zach Bryan record. Have you guys heard that? I haven't heard the record, but I have heard a lot of reports about it, and there's a lot of compliments coming his way. It's crazy. He's like gigantic. He's like I looked on Spotify the other day. And I think he was like the 150th most played artist in the world, and so oh, I assume that I should hate it if he's that popular. But it's, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how popular. Like country music has always been popular, but the sort of way it's hit. The charts as of late is insane. It seems like every man and their dog listen to country music now. Even even me, I'm a bit similar to you, Pat, in the mindset. Like I don't like country music. I never have, and I've it's creeping its way in. It might be yeah. either Morgan Wallen. I don't know what it is, but yeah. it's coming. Yeah, yeah, it's creeping into the mainstream definitely. Like all those guys are coming out to Australia and playing like arena shows. It's insane. They're huge, and some of those lineups for like. Um, like CMC Rocks and stuff I'm always like holy fuck they've pulled yeah. some absolute fucking talent here but look yeah. Sam mentioned at the top your upcoming album The World Don't Owe You Anything it's your sixth studio release uh, you know thematically you guys have spoken about this record being very introspective very reflective but it's still built around these you know huge big driving powerful riffs as a band how do you guys try and balance out you know those two different um circles in the Venn diagram to ensure that you're still getting like some emotion when people are like crushing each other in the circle pit. <laughs> yeah. I think it all comes down to the delivery and a lot about the um the lyrical content behind it as well. So you can have, you know, a big heavy riff, but it's about what's the meaning behind it. And luckily we've got Tyler who's just 
such a good lyricist. So I can just, um, you know, he writes from the heart. And so, you know, when he yells something like people feel it. So I have a stripped back song to get the emotion across. I think you can deliver it in a few different ways. So, yeah, it's just trying to capture the vibe <laughs> for lack of burden. You mentioned movements earlier and there. That new album for me is an interesting one to that leads into the, the next question I have because they've sort of taken, I guess, more of like an uh, arena rock I don't want to pigeonhole it, but there's some songs in there that have this really big arena rock vibe to them. And a few songs on the new album also sound similar, sort of tracks like Rinse and Repeat and, um, you know, the back half of A Place to Begin. We're hearing that arena-ready moments that you guys are, are known for. But did it feel like a, a natural progression to go into these massive choruses or was it sort of a, a bit of a, you know, a change-up for you guys? Um. I think we've like we've always tried to really try and build up our songs so they have that big release at the end. I feel on this record, uh, we kind of changed the way we went about this record a little bit. Like with the last one, we really tried to capture like um, kind of that 90s vibe for the entire record. So the whole record was really cohesive but probably didn't have as many peaks and troughs. Whereas this record, we kind of made a conscious decision just to lean into each song as hard as we could, whatever that song might be. So maybe it's 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 less of a, a package of similar songs, but it means you kind of got these really heavy moments and these really quiet moments. Um, so there's quite a lot of light and shade. So when we do have those those big moments, like um, like at the end of the record or at the end of Sunny, we just really went all out and you know just laid up you know the fuzz guitars and. Um, just try to, you know, make it lift as much as possible. So, yeah, it, it's it's probably always been there. We've tried to have those bits, but I think we probably just lent into it a little bit more on this record. You know, you mentioned there that you've got these these light and shade moments, and on a track like Scars, it's it's still very you know intimate, restrained, acoustically driven. I wanted to know sort of how many of the the, the Luca Brasi tracks, or especially on this album, sort of start in that acoustic ballad space, um, and then eventually someone in the band's like guys, we need to kick this to overdrive, stick the fuzz on it and, and, and take it to, to, to full rock uh, levels. Like where, 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 how many kind of make that jump? Yeah, I guess it, it depends on who's writing the songs because I play a lot of acoustic guitar just when I'm at home. That's usually how I write. But um, Tom Tom absolutely hates acoustic guitar. Like he calls it <laughs> call, calls it the coward stick. So he would never write a song on the acoustic guitar. So <laughs> So, so Scars I wrote on the acoustic guitar and actually the riff in Sunny I wrote on acoustic guitar. Um, pr- probably most of the ones I wrote I would have originally started off on the acoustic guitar um, just because it's the closest thing to me to pick up when I when I want to rack a riff and then it's when I go and over to the studio to flesh it out, that's when we start to add the other elements. But I would say that all, all of Tom's songs would no way be on acoustic guitar. <laughs> <laughs> He just kicks the door into the studio like, guys, fucking listen to this. Here we go. Yeah. Plugs in, switches on. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate, actually. <laughs> <laughs> on the record, you have sort of had your turn behind the engineering desk yourself. You know, how did you find that experience? Yeah, well, we didn't actually mix it and master it ourselves, luckily, because that's a massive rabbit hole that I would definitely get lost in. There's just too many possibilities. But yeah, we did engineer it and produce it ourselves. Um Ben Stewart from Slowly Slowly helped us kind of with the production of the songs. But, yeah, we pulled all the tones ourselves this time around. It can be 
a little bit daunting like like the last record we did a bit of it as well but not so much but you've really just got to back yourself in because when you start questioning your judgment you kind of lose all perspective of what sounds good and what doesn't anymore so (laughs) yeah you kind of got to go with your gut and like if you think it's good it generally is good and um tom's done quite a lot of work um on his instrumental band as well um he recorded and mixed that so he's getting really good at the technical side of pulling guitar tones as well so between the two of us um hopefully one of us can find a good guitar tone in there but um <laughs> yeah I, I wouldn't try and mix a luca brasi record it would just yeah the, the possibilities just confuse me <laughs> <laughs> i mean you touched on ben stewart obviously from slowly slowly who are a big favorite of ours we sort of speak about them often i mean was there much collaboration there? Like, what did he sort of bring to the table, or was it more just a, a quick handball over and and sort of just let him take over the the reins a little bit? So it was all via um, distance. So how it would work basically, we'd get a song to basically maybe ninety percent finished, what we thought was like a pretty finished song, and then we'd send that over to him, and he'd basically chop it up. Um, and send us back a completely different version of the song and just throwing a whole bunch of ideas at the wall. And so quite often you'd get it back and go, whoa, that's very different and not where I thought the song was heading. So sometimes it was quite jarring and you'd have to just kind of take a little bit of time, like take a couple of days to listen to it. And quite often there was some absolute gold in what he'd send us back. And so it was just kind of taking a step back and then, yeah, like uh, you didn't necessarily have to take back everything he sent you. It's just choosing choosing the best bits out of it. And sometimes there are a few bits where he just like completely made a song. Some songs <laughs> we didn't use what he used, but yeah, it was, just, I really enjoyed that approach where I just knew he was going to throw everything at it um, just to try and push us. And we didn't have to use it all, but um, it just kind of helped us push a few different boundaries. Does that mean somewhere there's a mix that's maybe the, you know, the, the, the slowly, slowly mix of this album. That's a completely different vibe. <laughs> Yeah, there would be like I've I've got all the demos he sent back to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's there's some interesting stuff on there, but like, um, yeah, he kind of came up with the ideas that I wouldn't have thought of myself. So it was really good in that respect. Like, um, for example, the world don't know anything. That song started off a completely different song, and what is now the main riff in the song was just the bridge of that song. But that's now become kind of the hook in the chorus. So. He had a big part in how that song was structured. It's always great when you you hear about those little stories of you know how when you you're collaborating with someone else that you, you, they throw something you don't expect. You're like, oh, hang on, this is this is sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it can be quite jarring. Like if you're quite attached to a song, like I know uh, Tom's struggled with it a little bit. You know, you've spent a lot of time putting together what you think is the structure of a song, and then it comes back completely different. You've got to kind of remove i guess your own personality or your own ego from it a little bit and go what's actually best for the song and best for the band (laughs) have there ever been times where you've had to pull tom aside and just be like like he's received the song back and gone oh he's he's fucking ruined my song (laughs) and then you've had to go tom let's just calm down like it's all it's a creative process oh that was like like that was a perfect impersonation of tom (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it was funny. Actually, with that with that song I was just talking about, The World Don't Know Anything, like, because um, Tom wrote that song, and, and it was a great song as it was, but what came back was completely different. And um, when he sent it back to me and Tyler, um, when when it was sent back, we thought, oh, I'm not sure Tom's going to like 
like this, but we think it's really good. So we actually worked on it separately, me and Tyler, until we got it to a point that we thought we could present it to, to Tom and say, hey, what do you think? And so we actually spent a lot of time fleshing out the chorus and stuff before we came back to him. So he didn't have a choice at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, if this is the first you're hearing of that, sorry, mate. <laughs> Look, as well as the as the record, you guys have uh, you've said goodbye to your your own festival series till the wheels fall off, uh, which had its final uh, edition earlier this month. Uh, it had become kind of a, a pretty solid staple and and made Launceston a bit of a proving ground for for a lot of punk and rock acts nationally. Uh, you know why why did you feel like now is the time to to end the festival? And do you feel like you've you've kind of put Tassie a bit more on the map and and make sure that especially towns outside of Hobart are getting some 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 bigger shows for touring from touring bands. Oh yeah, like we started that out and it was just me and Tyler being idiots booking our mates to play uh, a festival and then you know over the years we kind of turned into a more professional event and uh, we had like I was looking at some of the old posters the other day we had like some killer lineups come through there like a lot of those bands have blown up now but, you know we had like um DZ Death Rays and Bad Dreams play and you know, slowly, slowly played and series played and all sorts of amazing bands. Um, and then kind of COVID hit when when the next year was going to be. And so that kind of we lost all momentum there. And then probably the next year as well. And then we just kind of, it just kind of fell away. And we didn't think we we're going to do anything again. But we thought, oh, it'd be nice to actually like farewell it properly, you know, not just let it kind of die out, fizzle out. So yeah, we just wanted to put it back on and I guess the reason it's ended, it's a really hard format to pull off, trying to book bands that are kind of at that level, like have enough of a following that people want to come along, but aren't going to charge us, you know, $100,000 to come and play to 500 people. Yeah. Um, so it's a really <laughs> it's a really hard level to book at. And, and finding a venue is also hard. So it became a lot of really hard work. Um, but in saying that, like, not last weekend, the weekend before, it was such a good time and, Oh yeah, it just yeah, it was so nice to have all those people back in the room and everyone totally embraced the vibe and it was yeah, such a good send off. Just because till the wheels fall off is is calling time, it doesn't mean you guys are slowing down either. Max very uh kindly pointed out off air <clears throat> before you jumped on that you guys are heading down the east coast um pretty much uh, across grand final weekend, which is <laughs> I know. both the best the best and the worst time to tour. Um I mean, starting off, let's talk footy. Where are you going to be watching the grand final from? And I assume Tassie means you're an AFL man. So yeah, who are we thinking is going to get through the prelim? Yeah, so AFL, I support a terrible team. I support Essendon. So, you know, <laughs> it's been Can't a rough hear. 20 years or 23 <laughs> yeah. years. Um, yeah, so I'm thinking, um, I'm, I reckon Blues Pies granny would be pretty amazing, like, two big Victorian teams, but I don't know. The Blues have got to get over Lions up there, and I don't think anyone's beaten the Lions at the Gabba this year. I think that's right. So No, they haven't. I can, uh, you can as, vouch as for an that. employee of the Brisbane Lions. Oh, there we go. No one's gotten past it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I imagine it's most likely going to be Pies and the Lions. But this has happened before. I reckon this is probably the third time where we've been playing on Grand Final Weekend, which I hate because, you know, it's one of the best days of the year. Although there was there was one year a few years ago where we played some weird triple M tent like before the grand final outside the MCG. I don't know, like they just have. I don't know if you've been to the grand final before, but they have all these like tents set up by all the corporate partners and stuff for 
you know, schmoozing guests. But yeah, and we played like a few acoustic songs before the grand final, which was awesome. We were like running into players and stuff. But then we had to fly out of there. And I think we played like Yours oh. and Ours Festival in Wollongong or something like that. But it was, yeah, it was a bizarre way to spend the day. <laughs> I mean, nothing against the gong, but it just doesn't really compare to Melbourne on grand final day. No, so. they didn't even care about the bloody footy. <laughs> no, they just care about surfing and growing a certain type of grass. But yeah, let's not yeah. whack the gong. The devil's lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. But I mean, secondly, on the tour itself, it's going to be an acoustic set, and this is a two-parter. Is Tom okay with that? <laughs> no, he's bringing an electric guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm he's not joking. He really, he really is. I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'll put it on the clean channel. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what he um, does. And then I guess what made you want to go down that um, sort of pathway in, in launching the album in a more raw and stripped back sense. Yeah, we wanted to um, do something a little bit more intimate than your kind of a bigger show. Like we will do a, a proper album tour probably in the new year sometime um, with full band, but we thought this would be a good chance to kind of connect with the fans and, you know, um, hang out. So, you know, we'll play, play a bunch of songs. And like usually when we do these shows, they're pretty interactive, like, we get heckled, we heckle the fans, and then we'll just hang out afterwards, have a few drinks, and, um, you know, hopefully sell a few records and have a good time. So just more of an intimate way that we can kind of connect with some of the Die How fans a little bit more. I love it. And, I mean, before we let you go, um, a lot of the way, you know, you guys are describing the album and the individual tracks, it sounds like it's been a, both a sort of cathartic and um, immersive experience recording and releasing this one. So... Whilst obviously it's a it's a bit of a transitional period for the band, do you see uh, big changes on the horizon? You know, for for Luca Brasi's twenty twenty four comes to a head. Yeah, it's it's a bit hard to say. I'm not sure if you've you've seen the news about poor Richo and his son. So it's all a little bit yeah, unknown sure. at the moment. So we kind of he's keen to obviously keep doing stuff as long as he can because it's kind of giving him a nice release as well. So, yeah, we just can't really plan too far ahead at the moment. So we will do definitely an album tour in the new year, and then we'll just have to see what happens after that. It's kind of, yeah, it depends on, on what he's able to do. Absolutely. That definitely, you know, it's, it's very fair and, and very rough for, for him and, and the family. So, look, hopefully it goes as well as it can. But, look, The World Don't Owe You Anything is Luca Brasi's upcoming sixth album. It's dropping September 29th, so make sure you get your hands and your ears on it uh, as soon as it lands. Uh, they're heading out about, as you heard, down the East Coast, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane and Hobart over the grand final weekend, 28th to the f- of September to the 1st of October. So make sure you check their website for ticket info. Pat, thanks for, for dropping by and having a chat to us today. Thanks so much, guys. That was awesome. All this self-sabotage is a wonderful thing Gave me half my friends and the strangest set of feelings Waiting round as it all sunk in But the time it mends all the fences you kicked in I'm a former heavyweight when the fight ends Who's taken over
sabotage is a hell of a thing Get me half my friends left the strangest sense of grieving Waiting round for your life to begin You do the best you can just to bring it all 